Mr. Collins. I picture Mr. Bennett reading Mr. Collins' letter aloud with a subtle curl to his lip and a twinkle of amusement in his eye. When Lizzie, noting its strange blend of pomposity and self-deprecation, asks whether Mr. Collins can be a sensible man, Mr. Bennett says, with eager expectation, that he expects not and that he hopes to find him quite the reverse. Mr. Collins does not disappoint. The chapter abounds with examples of Mr. Collins' distinctive blend of servility and self-importance, of painstaking gentility and oafish awkwardness, of grandiloquence of speech and shallowness of soul. I will share just a few of my favorites, since I, like Mr. Bennett, watched him with the keenest of enjoyment and found him every bit as absurd as I could hope. First, there was his graceless effort at gallantry, as he lavishes compliments on his cousins. His blunt expression that their beauty assures that they will be, in due time, disposed of in marriage, is the sort of thing that all hope happen, but none wish to hear said out loud. But I found his overbearing praise of them all the funnier, given that not a moment later, he was as enthusiastic in his flattery of the furniture. Quote, they were not the only objects of Mr. Collins' admiration. The hall, the dining room, were examined and praised. The dinner, too, in its turn, was highly admired. And he begged to know to which of his fair cousins the excellency of its cooking was owing. Unquote. And as a little punchline at the end, we learn that this final kindness only gives offense, because of its implication that the Bennets are not able to keep a cook. That Mr. Collins always praises in superlatives only makes his compliment seem all the more insincere. He had never in his life seen such affability and condescension as he had himself experienced from Lady Catherine. He had never met with so much attention in the whole course of his life as he did from Mrs. Phillips. And in point of beauty, Miss de Bourgh is far superior to the handsomest of her sex, whose sickly constitution deprived the British court of its brightest ornament. I also love to imagine the wry expression on Mr. Bennett's face as he asks the witless Mr. Collins whether these pleasing attentions proceed from the impulse of the moment or are the result of previous study. And, oblivious to Mr. Bennett's amusement, Mr. Collins admits, quote, They arrive chiefly from what is passing at the time, and though I sometimes amuse myself with suggesting and arranging such little elegant compliments as may be adapted to ordinary occasions, I always wish to give them as unstudied an air as possible. Unquote. I have to confess that I love the line added to this scene in the Kira Knightley film. Elizabeth responds to Mr. Collins, Oh, believe me, no one would suspect your manners to be rehearsed. Mr. Collins' pompousness of style and propriety of manners poorly conceal his pettiness and superficiality. When Lydia interrupts his monotonous reading of Fordyce's sermons, he reacts with pouty, passive-aggressive condescension. Quote, I have often observed how little young ladies are interested by books of a serious stamp, though written solely for their benefit. It amazes me, I confess— for, certainly, there can be nothing so advantageous to them as instruction. But I will no longer importune my young cousin. Unquote. And we see how deep his feelings run when the first sight of Jane's lovely face is enough to confirm her as his settled choice, 
and when, after he learns she is to be engaged, he as quickly changes to Elizabeth. Changes while Mrs. Bennet was stirring the fire. There's so much more, so if you want to gossip with me about the clownishness of Mr. Collins, I'll meet you over in the Facebook group, where we can whisper, roll our eyes, and giggle.